The military needs units shipped to whenever, wherever they are needed. So what they really would need is an extension of shelf life. And this is what we are investigating in a sponsored clinical trial by the Department of Defense. Hi, I'm Helen Fitlick, and this is Bloodworks 101, the podcast that inspires you to give time, money, or blood. Bloodworks has more than 30 veterans on our staff who served their country in the armed forces and now serve our community every day. For some, their military experience is tangential to their role at Bloodworks. For example, safety officer Randy Pickett compares running a high-performance safety program to his time on an aircraft carrier, where it takes every crew member bringing their A-game to every task. For Dom Carrero in Bloodworks Overlake Transfusion Service Lab, his military service translates very literally to his job at Bloodworks. I started off in the military, I was in the Navy. I went through lab school through the Navy and I worked at Naval Hospital Oak Harbor. I was the blood bank supervisor there for about three years. And then when I got out, I knew I wanted to, you know, transition to civilian life. So I really wanted to work for Bloodworks. We had worked with them for like uh, special blood that we needed, you know, anything uh, with the antibodies, we always had to use Bloodworks, so I thought it'd be cool to work there. Then ended up getting a call from the supervisor at Overlake for Bloodworks and interviewed and, you know, got the job. And that's kind of how I ended up here. <laughs> the military is very good about donating. So we have the Armed Forces Blood Program. It's pretty much like a lot of soldiers and active duty military members or even, you know, civilians who work with the military, DOD, they all support and donate frequently. So we have very large number of units that we send, you know, wherever we need to, all over the world, whether it needs to go out in theaters, what we call it, which is deployments or anywhere where things are getting dangerous, you know, or unpredictable. And we actually like freeze them and send them out. So I guess the difference would just be the internal community providing for itself. Bloodworks, I guess it's the same, you know, community. It's just a different community. So yeah, you'll see soldiers who even donate for, you know, Bloodworks and the Armed Forces Blood Program. It's uh, really cool to see all the support that the military gives to blood banking. This support includes funding life-saving research. The Stola Lab at Bloodworks Research Institute, led by Dr. Moritz Stola, has been the recipient of multiple grants from the U.S. Department of Defense. The military needs units shipped to whenever, wherever they are needed, basically. So wherever they have uh, scenarios where somebody gets injured and is bleeding and needs to go to the operating rooms, like they have, I think, field operating rooms. For these uh, settings, they need products to be uh, transfused. And for that sort of shipment, you need time, right? Because for platelets, we have a hold period, right? Where we wait because if there is bacterial contamination and uh, platelets, I should also mention, are the most common cause for transfusion transmitted infection. And this is because they're stored at room temperature. But if you have a hold period, then you give these bacteria time to accumulate, right? Then you test the unit and then you have to wait for the testing, right? So there's a lot of time that is spent just making sure that this is a safe product. 
I'm not 100% sure that the military does that exactly the same way. And if they have different procedures, I would assume they have different procedures. But then you're already at one and a half to two days of that storage time that you just spend waiting for results, basically, and making sure that it's a safe product, right? And then you only have really three or five days, right, to, to ship them, I guess, and to use them. Because platelets are stored at room temperature and have a limited shelf life, they represent a huge challenge for the military. They're not something that's easy to just have on hand for when you need it. Platelets currently have a five to seven day shelf life. That's why there's always a special need. We store them at room temperature instead of in a refrigerator with red cells, because that's what's historically been shown to be the most beneficial for patient use. The Stola lab has been challenging this assumption. So what they really would need is an extension of shelf life. And this is what we are investigating in a sponsored clinical trial by the Department of Defense, where we test seven-day room temperature store platelets, or the maximum of the licensed uh, storage time, versus 14 days, so essentially doubling the shelf life of cold-stored platelets. This is a clinical trial in cardiac surgery patients, so actively bleeding patients, where we would expect these platelets that don't circulate very long, but have an improved function to work uh, better, ideally, or equally as well. And even if they just work equally as well, then we know we can extend the shelf life safely to 14 days. And, and the other advantage, as I mentioned, if you store them in the cold, bacteria don't like to grow, right? So we don't test red blood cells for bacterial contamination, right? Because it's, it's not necessary, it's too, uh, too rare. And so we would expect for cold salt platelets to, um, the same thing, essentially, that we would be able to reduce the, the rate of bacterial contamination and bacterial growth uh, significantly. Luckily, that's rare enough, so we cannot test for that in the clinical trial because we have a very limited number of patients that we test. And these events are so rare that you would really need like thousands of patients to test for that. So what I believe will happen is that when they're approved, I guess there will be retrospective data mining efforts to see how many septic reactions occurred after cold storage versus room temperature storage. If you've donated platelets, you know that there's a big machine involved. It takes time, up to two hours, and that's just the donation. The equipment and time investment limit Bloodworks to only collecting platelets at our donor centers, not at mobile drives. And if you can't donate platelets in a comfy air-conditioned conference room at your school, workplace, or place of worship, forget about an active combat zone. You gotta ship them. What if we could freeze or freeze dry platelets? Frozen platelets have been around uh, for, I would say, probably as long as cold platelets, also in the 60s and 70s. They are used, there are different protocols, I should say. There's a, a protocol where you use DMSO, that's uh, something that is incorporated in the cell and the cell membrane that makes it easier to freeze um, the, the cells. Then once, once they're frozen, you can essentially store them for uh, multiple years. And then when, when, when they need it, you have that additional step of thawing them, which takes time. Well, we do that for fresh frozen plasma too, right? So that's uh, uh, possible. The other downside, I guess, for the military is that they, you need a freezer. If you're talking about far forward military scenarios, that's usually not so easy 
to have a freezer uh, in the field, right? So that's one of the downsides. And that's where lyophilized platelets come in, right? So freeze-drying platelets. You have a powder that you can carry in your backpack, essentially. And if you have additional saline, you can just reconstitute that powder into like a plasma-like uh, substance, right? And then you'll um, transfuse that into the, into the bleeding recipient. And again, you have probably years long of shelf life for the lyophilized platelets too. And the advantage is that you don't need a freezer. Uh, I think the powder of uh, the lyophilized platelet powder is, can be stored at room temperature, I believe, so. I should mention for the function that lyophilized platelets are probably the least uh, investigated product and um, there are currently ongoing trials where that product is investigated. The FDA um, requested to test the product in cancer patients uh, first to see if there is any risk associated with it and if they prevent bleeding or treat bleeding uh, as well as room temperature stored platelets. In cancer patients, we have very good data that show efficacy of platelets. Um, that's why the FDA requested this uh, to test this product in this uh, clinical setting. And in all the other patient populations, we have uh, data too, but the data are not as solid as in, in cancer patients. And for the uh, frozen platelets, there are um, military um, services in, in the Netherlands, for example, in the Czech Republic that um, use these platelets uh, actively. And there have been clinical trials where these platelets have been used, including a trial where Bloodworks was involved in, in cancer patients as well, where they were shown to be uh, efficacious and safe to use. This isn't the first study that the Stola lab has done on a military grant. The current one, as we mentioned, is the clinical trial to test cold store platelets in cardiac surgery patients. We had have uh, previous studies where we tested the cold store platelets in aspirinated, healthy humans. That was uh, funded by the military as well. In this trial, we were, um, it's a, um, basically a crossover trial, which means that if the healthy volunteers first donated platelets and we put them, basically flipped a coin and allocated them to cold storage or room temperature storage, then they took um, aspirin to inhibit their own platelet function. Then they came back, received that unit, and then we took tests at 1, 4 and 24 hours after transfusion to see how well that effect uh, of aspirin was reversed. And then we had a washout period where you have basically a turnover of your entire platelet population because we didn't want any aspirin to hang around or any of the transfused platelets right, to hang around. So we then basically repeated the whole sequence from the beginning, uh, this time with the alternative product. So if you were randomized to receive room temperature first, we used cold. If you were cold first, you received room temperature. Right? And in this study, what we found basically was that for the majority of tests, we did not see a significant difference between cold and room temperature storage. And uh, I should mention that we went again with the maximum storage time. So we went up to 14 days and up to seven days, even though we know that the majority of platelets are currently, that are used are not really stored up to the absolute maximum. And maybe with, uh, with cold storage, we don't know that yet, but uh, it's also likely that not all the platelets will be stored up to 14 days, right? What we found is that the function did not differ significantly in the majority of tests. There was one specific test where room temperature was actually better, 
and there was another test where cold was better. So that if you platelets not only work as little cells that activate receptors and participate in clotting, they can also basically flip their membrane and make themselves more likely to cause clotting. So the blood not only has cells like platelets that promote clotting, but also has coagulation factors, they're called. And these factors are participating in clotting as well. And platelets can stimulate these factors and promote clotting that way. And we found that cold platelets were better at stimulating clotting uh, by stimulating coagulation factors. We have uh, had other uh, studies with the military as well. For example, we radio-labeled platelets after uh, cold storage. We radio-labeled them after 5, 10, 15, and 20 days, and then followed their survival, the platelet survival, in the recipient. Um, that was a, a DOD-funded uh, study too. And I think that's important too, uh, because you need to know what to expect, right? Well, how long can you actually expect uh, the function of these platelets? Um, when you go that far out, right, with storage. And uh, another um, study we uh, did was to test additive solutions. So you can replace some of the plasma in the platelets with additive solutions. It's basically like electrolyte solutions that are supposed to um, help platelets during storage with preventing their decay, basically. And there's a specific reason why this is interesting for cold platelets, because cold platelets tend to be pre-activated. That's why we think they probably work better when you transfuse them. They have specific receptors, and if you put them in the cold, they activate these receptors. And there are, as I mentioned, there are plasma proteins in the platelet bag. So then they bind to these plasma proteins, and other platelets bind to the, to the plasma proteins, and so you get little microaggregates in the platelets. We don't know currently how many platelets are affected by that and how many donors. It seems to be a donor-specific reaction, but that's a specific reason why additive solutions could be beneficial for cold-stored platelets, because they prevent these aggregate formations in the, in the cold-stored unit with plasma. So how do military-funded studies differ from Dr. Stola's other grants and funding? I think they are different in a sense that they are less basic science-oriented, they're more application-oriented, I would say. They're more um, interested in, in anything, I guess, that um, would be helpful for military questions, which makes sense, right? So for NIH grants, for example, um, you always need a mechanism, a specific molecule you're investigating, and uh, it's supposed to, for, uh, I mean, to increase the general knowledge base of biology that then would help develop new therapies, for example, right? And with the military, I mean, they do fund that too, uh, I think, but they also have a slightly broader interest that they are um, specifically funding questions that would benefit the military. For example, these, um, the application of cold stock platelets in the field, for example. Usually you want to have a basic biologic understanding of processes and then you, you follow up with a therapy. Sometimes it's the other way around, I think. History has shown us that people find out things work and then it turns out it was completely different than they initially thought it would be. Thank you for listening and thanks to veterans like Dom for their service. We'll see you next time on Bloodworks 101.